Hi, it's Dr. Rod Story uh, here in the Cross Politics Studio. Glad to be talking medical. In fact, uh, what we're talking about is mirror medical. Mirror medical. That's mirror right. medical. Why mirror? Well, mirror kind of harkens back to, well, C.S. Lewis, who I think is a, quite a guy. He yeah, wrote a book called Mirror Christianity that went to the basics of Christianity. Mirror medicine, because honestly, medicine's got a big head. <laughs> uh, we tend to think highly of ourselves. Uh, we kind of think of ourselves as the priests of this current generation, and that's a, that's a whole lot of hunk and uh, foolishness. And, and I think it's maybe best to, to put medicine where it needs to be, which is first and foremost, glorifying God. And second, uh, recognizing that it has limitations and it's a human endeavor uh, limited by our ability to see and hear and touch and feel and by time and space, which is so limited. And it makes better sense that way, too. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. When medicine doesn't aspire to to be uh, a God uh, itself, a God itself, <laughs> a source right. of truth and everything, uh, which it seems to be so often looked for, um, but falls flat, just like any any handmade God. That's facts. I'm looking at this article you have here. Doug. Yeah. This is crazy. You know, Absolutely uh, insane. Can, can I just read the title real quick? Please do. University of Washington sparks outcry for reportedly keeping aborted fetuses in paper bags. Uh, you know, um, wow. this one is just not getting any airplay whatsoever. It is now. Which is really, uh, I hope so. Here, <laughs> you know, we're going to send it out to the Fight, Laugh, Feast uh, because our people pay attention and, and start making waves. Um, but this is really important. I went to the University of Washington uh, School of Medicine uh, in Seattle, Washington. It's a marvelous medical school, excellent uh, program for training doctors, one of the top five in the nation. Wow. Really thankful for it. But they have a deep secret, like a lot of uh, the West Coast and East Coast schools. They've been um, studying and, and dismembering aborted babies and selling off their parts. I, uh, and this is okay. Well, you know, I wonder why it's not making news, but I think the uh, Planned Parenthood sells baby parts hashtag seems to have worn itself out. Um, and, and I'd like the Christians to kind of raise that one again. This is insane. The University of Washington School of Medicine is reportedly keeping aborted human fetuses and organs in rows of labeled boxes and paper bags in a walk-in freezer. Well, you know, I think what it really points to is that people um, don't value life and they see these discarded babies and they say, well, we might as well make some use of them. Seattle is one of the top biomedical research locations in the United States. In fact, if not the world, a lot of uh, top-notch science is being done, but it's being done uh, using uh, tissues of aborted children. And the University of Washington seems to be one of the, f- uh, the primary purveyors of these baby parts. What, what are they expecting to learn? What are, the, what are they testing... Well, you know, so why do you need these fetuses and what are you testing with these fetuses? What is a yeah, great question? And we, we raise this concern partly because we want to see uh, humans treated as they should be in the image of God. And so uh, it's one of them, just one of the first reasons to oppose this. But, but um, what is medicine doing with these aborted fetuses? Well, yeah. they're, they're uh, making medicine in the first part. A lot of medications are being made now, including immune medications. Uh, treatments of cancer, treatments of rheumatoid disease are being made using these tissues. Uh, and these tissues are used to make uh, shell cultures. We talked a little bit about that when it came to COVID vaccine. You maybe heard the podcast and some yeah, of our video right. early on. So that's, that's partly what this whole machine is feeding is this increased research in fetal tissues, which they're using to make medications. But of course, the end, just, end does not justify the means. Uh, you cannot 
uh, take bad and, and uh, produce good out of it. And we believe that this is an ethical wrong that should not be crossed. You know, I, I guess part of it for me, I'm thinking about um, as a doctor who is sworn an oath, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> um, to do no harm. How do they then justify the ethics of this, knowing that that's an oath that they swore? And then if you can't trust your doctor to manage this type of ethical situation when it comes to other ones, how are you going to be able to trust them there? Great question. I'm, I'm glad we're asking that question. Yeah. I think you should be. You know, I think uh, I'd like to segue from this concern and, and encourage our people to be wise as they're talking to their doctors and really asking, are these medications that, I, that you're suggesting that I take, are these sourced in embryonic stem cells? Mm. Embryonic stem cells is the buzzword for tissues that were taken from aborted children. Um, and and uh, it is just a growing, ugly underbelly of the of the of the dragon. So that's part of the questions that we need to be asking. Yeah, our absolutely. Doctors. Take this home and and start doing some research, and then let's actually start being outraged at the things we should be outraged about, uh, not just uh, the ending of human life, um, particularly the most vulnerable, which should uh, cause our our leaders to tie a millstone around their neck and take a deep dive. Ouch, ouch. But it doesn't end there. You start doing stuff like this and you open up the door for all sorts of un- other unethical all sorts things of stuff. as well, right? Because what at the, at the basis of it is really this, this uh, sense that there are throwaway people, mm. that there are people who, are, who, who we can say, you're just not convenient to my life right at this time, so I'll have that abortion. Or, or perhaps uh, I, I'm worried that you have some sort of genetic condition and, and I... And I would not want to be hampered by bringing you into this world. So if you're a student there at, <laughs> and you're taking classes, how could you just say, we're not, I'm, not do, I'm not doing this and we're not doing any testing on fetuses? Great you question. Know? You know, the, the University of Washington is actually one of the largest medical complexes in the United States. And uh, uh, even though I was there 20 years ago, uh, the things that happen at one end of the hall probably are not known at the other end of the hall. Uh, uh, it, it is hard to, to divine out the, where this type of research and where this type of, of uh, use of human beings has kind of wound its way into. Uh, pray for your medical students and pray for those that are considering going to medicine. Pray for your doctors because walking wisely in this broken world is really challenging. Dr. Stewart, whenever you want to turn this, fine. I just have one more question I yeah, have shoot. to ask because I don't think, well, you know, when we think about ending abortion. We think about one particular area to focus in. We're like, if we can get somebody elected, we can get the laws changed. Mm. We always think about ending abortion in a political sense. But there's also a way that if we look at our, where we see these other industries that are driving, this, mm. this can't just be happening in the shadow, right? This has to be driving the form of abortion. So you got a David Daladin, right? That whole situation there where they're selling body parts. Right? And that guy did an amazing work. Yeah. And, the, and that's how the University of Washington um, information came out was, was an anti-abortion protest who followed the legal trail and they discovered invoices for baby body parts and they followed it backwards to the delivery van and they figured out where that was coming from. And then they found, found their way even to the freezer to look in the window and see Baby parts, bag, little a, baggy parts, bag, nine, 964. You know, it's just, it's, it's an endless supply of, of throwaway people. But it's not, uh, it's not just one thing. You can be involved in more than one area. And like, like you said, like David Dalton did, these other people who did this work here, they also yeah. said, hey, let's just stop. <laughs> let's just stop trying to um, move our society to demand these type of uh, 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 what we incentivize. So we're incentivizing in one sense and then we're getting it delivered in the other. So we can right. stop from both ends, right? We don't have to we just We can say, absolutely stop from, from both ends. And I think part of it can come from a consumer standpoint. Right. Uh, there was a there was a infamous, and, and go ahead, Google it, you'll find it, uh, infamous uh, flavoring of Pepsi products with uh, stem cells that were taken from aborted fetuses. This is about 15 years ago now. 
Uh, I'm sorry, what? Yes, crazy <laughs> enough. And, and actually, I there's, you remember you telling me that yeah, flavoring, and, right? and there's a number of industries now, whether it's uh, cosmetics or uh, chemicals, we seem to have found that using baby tissues to make all sorts of chemicals turns into a neat little par- parlor trick, uh, and nobody seems to worry about it. But I would pull us back. Why are we not um, still outraged by this? A lot of the, a lot of Facebook, uh, uh, oh, five years ago when David Daladin brought out that information, I saw all of my Christian friends all over the yeah. United States starting to put those hashtag Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood sells baby parts. Mm-hmm. And it hit the fan and it was, people were outraged. And you saw some of the abortion mills kind of heading for the hills and you had all these uh, um, medical centers saying, well, we don't do that or, or actually backpedaling. And now it's still happening. How did this continue on? Uh, even there was, uh, there was moves in, uh, to make it illegal, uh, the United <laughs> States Senate, uh, and it just yeah, never, never yeah. went anywhere. Ne- ne- it never, never went anywhere. We just, we just do not value human life, um, and it comes all the way down to our own bedrooms. You know, one of the, th- it, yeah, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to step on that because that's very important. It comes all the way down yeah. to our own bedrooms. That's really. What do you really mean does. by that? Doug? Well, what I mean by that is, is honestly, a lot of abortion conversations happen in very private quarters, and that's mm. one of the things I want to uh, turn to as we talk about how do we end up with this decision. So um, here's one question I'm going to turn to you, and then I'm going to Uh-oh. use that to play the stage. Abortions. Yeah. You know, women uh, are choosing abortions, uh, hopefully not under duress, uh, uh, but that certainly is an issue. When women choose an abortion, how often do you think it turns out to be a medical issue with the baby? Oh, probably maybe 0.1%, maybe 0.3%. Yeah, actually, like the, the data on, on birth defects is actually very, very low. Yeah. Uh, it's less than one half of 1%. Okay, I was close. Birth. Yeah, it's very, very low. And yet, one out of 20 abortions is done in this country for a fear or a concern for the health of the baby. So there's a significant disparity between the actual number of birth defects. Except for the health of the baby. For the health of the baby. Yeah, exactly. How crazy is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm you sorry. Just... Your health is not so good. We're going to kill you. Um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to kill you. There we go. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a dastardly world that we, that we Wow, for sometimes. the health of the baby. Yeah, for the health of the baby. And what I think is actually driving this is something else that was also reported in the news this last couple of weeks, which is that a lot of uh, prenatal testing or testing before a baby is born that's now on the market is patently a, a mess. It's mm. it, it creates all sorts of false understandings of what the results are going to be. Well, why um, why would we do prenatal testing? Well, you, some of it it just comes out to be fear. Okay. So you know you you, you think and I want to have a perfect little youngster. I want to make sure that we, we uh, and perhaps it's, it's kind of thought about in vigilance that I, I just want to make sure I'm ready for anything that, that comes along. And so you, you think, well, you know, let's go ahead and do this testing, 23andMe or all sorts of other companies out there offer this blood testing for mom. Mom goes and she, she gets this testing done. She thinks, I'm just doing due diligence. I'm going yep. to want to make sure that if my baby has any of these um, really scary disorders that we're just ready for it. And then she gets this report in the mail. She spends 59 bucks uh, to get this testing. And she gets this report in the mail that says, we think that there's a high chance that your baby has this X genetic system syndrome. Well, what do you think that those moms do with that information? Yeah, they probably say, well, what's my options? Yeah, they, they start going, man, I can't have a baby who has that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would end my life. Oh, and then they start thinking, um, perhaps that, that baby, you know, really that would be suffering to bring that child into the world. 
we should we should avoid that at all cost. Um, and, w- and what does that mean? What is that that unsaid decision that's being made there? It really is abortion. We're talking yeah, about abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about in the life of a child. What's fascinating, and, and, and I would point you to the New York Times. They have a fascinating article from, from April 30th of this year that said that uh, about 85 out of 100 times that those tests are wrong. Oh, oh! now that's not what's told to you after you te- get no, the test. You pay no, no. Well, of course, all you see it. is this report that says in black ink uh, that it's likely your baby has this horrific genetic syndrome and there's no way that they're going to be born healthy and they're going to be expensive, and they're going to require lots of time, and they might not even make it through this pregnancy. And, and the big thoughts get, get twirling. Uh, so so the, the circumstance is that these are, these are tests that people can buy. They're very easy to find on the Internet. You, if you just want to search genetic testing, prenatal testing, there's hundreds of companies, and they're mostly Silicon Valley-based. Oh, that shouldn't tell you anything at all. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the, it's a it's a for profit company, and they're looking to to meet a market demand. There would not be a demand for this if if there weren't people looking for it and, mm. and wanting to have have this information. You know, I, I remember when my wife was pregnant. So in Atlanta, we would go and um, since we all did we did our births at home. So oh, yes. there wasn't like a traditional place for us to go and see. Uh, uh, sonogram because we didn't have a doctor. Sorry, Dr. Stewart, you weren't there. Now. Oh, no, it's all good. <laughs> you know, sonograms are, are, we do use them for some of that reason to yeah. be able to anticipate is there any major medical issues that we need to know about baby? Yeah. Um, sometimes you see that baby has some signs of Down syndrome. And so knowing in advance that that baby might need some heart support Interesting. or might need some extra help. At birth. Yeah, it, at birth. Uh, at I know a family that their, their, their daughter had uh, a missing part of her intestines. And so when she was born, she, they were ready to have surgery, mm. and she has made a full recovery, and now she's five and doing very well. Um, and that sonogram was helpful in anticipating that. That sonogram is often used, however, to also usher in an abortion. That's right. And well, so that, that's exactly what was happening with us. And so also the testing to see, hey, do you want to know if your baby has any other symptoms? Mm. Or, and so that was always pushed on. It always felt weird to me. There's, there's not a lot of places where I feel like, okay, are you doing this because I'm black? Like there, there really isn't. Uh, but in those situations, yeah. I've always felt a little extra shove. Like you might want to know just in case because you, you. So many times, me and my wife have been sitting there, and they said, "Hey, you don't know what kind of baby you might have, mm. and you might not want to have a pregnancy like this." And my wife is looking at them, and we're looking at them like, "And what's the options you want us to do?" Absolutely. And, well, and, that's the and they're so bold. Yeah. yeah, the unspoken question. What's, what's crazy is how often those turn out to be so wrong. And that's what this New York Times article points out, is that these tests wow. raise the specter of something that sounds very, very scary and yet is so incredibly rare. And, and how does, why does it do this? Well, what, 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 it's first off, there's a lot of problems with these tests. They're not, they're not validated. Validated is a medical term that we use to say there's an objective way that this test is measured against to make sure that it's not over-reporting or under-reporting the condition mm-hmm. that we're looking for. The second is that these are screening tests, and people don't understand that we use a lot of screening tests. Uh, I'll give you an example, mammograms. Mm-hmm. You probably have heard that a lot of mammograms catch things that probably didn't turn out to be cancer. Right. Well, and that's the nature of screening tests, uh, is that we do a lot of care, and we use those to try and catch those occasional bad things, but a lot of times they do bring some extra worry by bringing some false positive tests. And that, that really does, does tend to worry some people. You know, and, and, and then the question is, it, was it really worth doing this test or did it just really stir a whole pot of, of, of worry and concern? Doc, how does a test that's 85% inaccurate 
become something that's used consistently. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you know, and it's that's, not it's not necessarily in the medical world, but the medical world is dealing with the fallout. And yeah. then obvi- oftentimes the conversation is, well, do you want the advanced testing or do you just want to take care of it? Uh, yeah. It's to use another euphemism that, that is often used in, the, in this world. Uh, the Once that door is open to the Pandora's chest, the the worries are there. Uh, and that's very concerning. I would also say that it's, what's interesting is these tests are usually an add-on test. So I, I don't know if you've heard, but a lot of um, moms now are, are having uh, genetic testing to see what the, what the gender of their child is going to be. And you can actually find that out like six, seven weeks along of the child. Are you kidding yes. me? Yes. And, and, and they, so they go get this blood test thinking, isn't it great? I can, I can start planning for whether I paint more my, uh, my nursery blue or whether I paint it pink or whatever you decide the color should be. And, and you get these tacked on tests that then have such a high rate of false positive. Well, I, you know, the way, the way the culture has gone now, the way morality has gone now, I could see someone using something like that even. And it's not like it's not a great thing to know what the sex of your child is. That's beautiful. No, it is beautiful. But I see people using that same exact thing to say, well, I didn't want a boy. Yeah. Well, I didn't want a girl. Well, and we know um, in the United States that that is happening. But uh, because it's not illegal to abort a child for their gender, uh, it's not illegal to abort a child for just about any reason. You, you can pick it, whether it's inconvenience, but, but gender seems like it's such a, such a more uh, 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 frightful thing to do. But we know in places like India and other places where the culture does not value uh, boys or girls uh, uh, or values one much more than the other, that, that sex-selected abortion is a thing. It's, yeah, it's, it it's is. the main th- reason for abortion in many of those places. Um, Doc, is there anything about this particular setup uh, with this testing that you see, okay, this is a problem now, but this is going to lead to something that we're not going to want as we continue to go down this particular road that, that bothers you as a doctor? I think it it's, uh, starts off with first, what is the child's value? So we know that uh, here we are sp- speaking as Christians, and, and we're appalled that babies' body parts are being found in bags just as, just across the state line here in Seattle, and we're, and we're appalled that people are making choices to abort children. Well, let's let's back up and say what is it that we should be different as? Because that's the, one of the challenges, and as we walk through this world as faithful believers, we want to we want to sample the the hors d'oeuvre plate of mm-hmm. culture and and use all their tools and yet somehow christianize them and say hey is this 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 isn't bad if if i do it um and it open like i said opens so much of the pandora's box so look the first question is why are we seeking after this testing is it really for the benefit of knowing what is coming down the way and what would we do the information so when i if you were sitting in my office with your wife and you guys were asking these questions here's what i would walk you through First off, tell me about your, your understanding of this child. Mm. Would you, do you see this child as something made in the image of God? Yeah. Because that, as a first and foremost, as a Christian, step back. Long before you know mm. genetically what's going on with this child, um, because honestly there's, there's data out now that they're using some of these tests to say what's the child's risk for having hearing impairment. Right. Or what's the child's risk for maybe developing near, near, nearsightedness down the way? Yes, you can get testing for those in this genetic testing profiles and perhaps even choose not to carry this child to, to, the, to term just because they need glasses at age five. I mean, it's, it's, there's no end to this sense of, but as Christians, we, we see it so differently. You are made in the image of God. You are as David says, fearfully and wonderfully made. He doesn't put a condition on that as David is right. acknowledging 
this remarkable God that can see him when he's sleeping, that can see him when he's standing, that knows him afar. Uh, beautiful Psalm 139, I encourage you to meditate on it. This personal God that knows us, knew us right from the moment of our conception, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not conditioned on whether we have all the genes or whether we have all the parts in the right spot, but it's purely conditioned on the fact that we are made in God's image. Mm. And all these articles, Doc, you're going to have these inside of the notes? Absolutely. Sure people, people would love yeah, to let's take a look at that, and I would encourage you to do that. You know, we also, um, I think it's important, and I, I talk to people frequently about are you absorbing the world's culture or are you um, acting as a Christian? Are you thinking as a Christian? Because we also need to understand that there are bro- there is brokenness in this world. That's right. Where does that brokenness come with? Well, I often say it's because we're this side of Eden and we're this side of heaven. And I'm using my hands to show this really finite time that we live in. We know that we're living in a broken world. And that will extend in some uh, surprisingly rare circumstances to our children our children may have some problems when they're not yet born, but does that mean that, uh, where did that come from? Did that come, f- and, and does it mean that their value has gone away? Um, quite not. Uh, the reality is that we can't sanitize our world through medical testing. Mm. We cannot avoid every uh, hard or, or occurrence that might happen. We can't avoid any medical improbability. We cannot live forever based on medical technology, and we certainly can't do that for our children. And so we have to be very careful. What is it that we are asking for or hoping for when we come to these conversations about, about this testing? Also, too, we don't, when God gives you a blessing, you don't say no, Lord. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, and that's when, and you take that blessing, you be thankful for that blessing, and then you be sanctified by that blessing at the same time. And kids, regardless of how we look at their blessing. Oh, David, thank you for saying that. I love that one of the ways that the pro-life world is talking back to this, Mm -hmm. talking back to this giant lie about what children are are worth, is by showing these children that are born with these unique circumstances and showing that they live, that they are loved, that they bring joy, that blessing and serving them is one of the best ways for us to grow in Christ-likeness, and that is ultimately what we're called to become. We would miss out on so much of this if we tried to sanitize the world, Mm. and I I don't use that lightly, who tries to sanitize the world of all uh, medical misfortune. If we tried to keep all the handicap away, we would we would become something less than what we should be. You know, and ultimately, as believers, we know again that coming soon. That's right. In this very short uh, uh, timeline of history, we're at about what, five and a half thousand years of human history. It's just a blink of an eye. That at the very end of it, well, let me read it out of Romans eleven. Oh, uh, Revelation. Do as we kind of think through. Christ says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, or pain anymore, for the former things will be passed away. You know, we we know as Christians, and this is ultimately where we know that that, uh, the hard and the good things that both come from the hand of our loving Savior find their finality, and that's in the end of, uh, and the glorious reunion at the Feast of the Lamb. Mm. That's good, Doc. Hey, uh, let's keep talking about these hard things in our world and how to how to think wisely and differently as Christians. Thank goodness for the Holy Spirit.